welcome to Holding Fast. It's good to have you as part of the podcast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the Word of God and to the person of the Son of God? Great to have you today. I trust your day is starting out well, and or if you're listening to this in the evening, that it is ending well and you're meditating frequently on the unchanging Word of God. Our scripture for today actually comes from two parallel passages from Matthew and from the book of the Gospel of Luke. In Matthew chapter 8 and in Luke chapter 9, you have a a synoptic passage, meaning that they see the same circumstance or situation or event in the life of the Lord, sees them together, and they often are supplemental in their information. That's why some uh, many people in our church are reading through a harmony of the Gospels, uh, an activity that at first was difficult for some people because you find yourself, rather than going through on a uh, a passage by passage basis all the way through the scripture in consecutive chapters you're actually flipping in between many of the gospels reading the same account from a different perspective if you've never done that before it can be very helpful to you and i would encourage you to do that because sometimes matthew will give you uh, in, uh, 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 details about an incident in the life of the Lord that Luke may not include or Mark may not include. And when you put them all together, you're able to get a better, a more well-rounded picture of exactly what happened at that particular instance. And I found myself reading in this recently in the Gospel of Luke, and I was reading in chapter 9, and the corresponding situation <clears throat> is in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, in a passage where Jesus is literally teaching on discipleship. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was speaking to an over-enthusiastic follower that perhaps was a fringe follower that had observed a lot of his miracles and heard some of his teaching. And he makes a, a, a big statement or a notification to the Lord that I want to follow you wherever you go. Uh, and so out of all of these multitudes that were following the Lord, uh, Jesus begins to give some instruction. I'm going to read the incident from the Gospel of Luke. So listen to what the Word of God says. Verse 57 of Luke 9 says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, suffer me first, or allow me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What a great passage of Scripture here. It's actually very instructive for us uh, on basically on this principle that he's addressing these followers about the need to really appreciate the cost when it comes to following Jesus. Uh, Down through the years of ministry, I've noted people that at first had this 
this uh, blooming, uh, over-enthusiastic response that they might have to the gospel. And I don't mean over-enthusiastic in order to belittle them. Certainly the gospel is something to be excited about and, and ought to cause us to really uh, be excited. But I think that a lot of time there is an enthusiasm without the thought. Uh, there is an excitement without an understanding of the cost that there is involved in following Jesus Christ. This man comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi or teacher, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, and he's not trying to do this in a discouraging way, but he's doing this in a way that would cause the one approaching him to really give thought to what he's getting ready to do, to the commitment that he's about to make. I think a lot of people don't even think through that kind of commitment. Maybe they don't genuinely appreciate what it means to have a master-slave relationship. Perhaps they don't understand that, uh, that uh, you know, you, we see the miracles of Christ. We see his teaching. We hear his teaching. We, we know the things that he is capable of doing. And people have a wrong idea of what it means to follow Christ. The Bible says that if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to have tribulation in this world. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be difficulty. And a lot of people just don't comprehend that. And oftentimes when they come face to face with that, it really knocks the spiritual legs right out from under them because they're not willing to pay that price. I've seen that so frequently. I'll address that more in just a moment. But he said, uh, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So the miracles that were associated with Jesus in, the, uh, in, in his ministry, following him probably did appear to the crowds that gathered around him as being very glamorous, perhaps more glamorous than it really was. It was exciting. People were being healed. Lives were being changed. And I I tend to think that our Lord may have received on many spontaneous offers just like this, that people would have approached him and made these kinds of statements. And as, as we read here, Jesus didn't tell the man, no, you can't follow me, but he did tell him the truth. He didn't paint some glamorized version of what it was like to follow him, but rather... This is exactly the opposite of the technique, by the way, that is used by many evangelists today. Jesus wanted the, man, wanted the man to know what it would really be like to follow him, that it would be demanding, that he would absolutely require uh, allegiance and dedication to him to the exclusion of any other loyalty that a person might have in his life. That's actually what our Lord demands from every one of his followers that I would set aside any love, any priority that would be more important than him. And that's really where people get in trouble. So Jesus speaks to the hesitant follower, because then we're given an example. One of the disciples, another disciple comes to him, not, not one of the 12 disciples, but of the crowd that was following the Lord and listening to his teaching. One of those disciples who were listening to Christ came and said, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. And the Bible records that Jesus said, well, you follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Um, let's think about this for a moment. Actually, this man didn't ask for permission to dig a grave for his deceased father. It's not as though he were coming to Christ and saying, you know, my, my father died and, and, you know, I really want to be honoring to him. And so I want to go take time out for a funeral. That's not what this would-be disciple was asking. 
He wanted to remain in his father's house and care for him until the father actually died. That was obviously an indefinite period. It could have dragged on and on and there was no telling. In other words, this man's, this man's uh, 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 prioritizing of his relationship with his family, with his father, with his relatives was something that became more important to him than surrendering entirely to Jesus Christ and following after him. In essence, the Lord is saying, you know, let those that are spiritually dead bury those that are physically dead. I want you to come and follow me. I don't want you to have any other obligation to your family or any other uh, priority you have. You, it cannot be put ahead of following Jesus. It is interesting that at the beginning of Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus gave a test of discipleship. And you can ask yourself today, how would you fare on this test? In verse 23, it goes, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, will follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Unless I'm willing to crucify my own flesh and my own desires and my own goals and priorities and identify with Jesus and being dead with him and following him, I am not worthy. Isn't In fact, isn't that what the Lord said in another place in Scripture? He said, if a man loves his father, his mother, his children, his sons, his daughters, whoever it might be, his brothers, his sisters... If you love them more than me, you are not worthy of me. And my, how many people stub their spiritual toe over that very thing. There are people that have made enthusiastic professions of their love for Jesus. They've noted their their desire to serve Him. And then they come to church for a little while. And all of a sudden you find that they begin to miss uh, family activities are planned on Sundays. Sporting activities come important. They get the they get the uh, the uh, guilt trip by their mom or their dad or their brother or their sister. Well, you don't love us like you used to, folks. That's exactly what God, what Jesus Christ was declaring. There is no one that is to have a surpassing loyalty uh, that we are to have that loyalty to, other than Jesus Christ Himself. He is everything. He demands my all because he gave his all. And the Bible relates to us the other individual that came and, and, and literally says to the, Jesus says, follow him. And he said, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but first let me go bid farewell to those that are at home. Um, Christ is saying, and he's being honest about this, what does it mean to follow him? He wanted everybody to know this at the very outset. Uh, he is first in all things. Is he first in your life today? Is he the one who takes precedent over anything else? Are all the other events of your life subject to cancel because your walk with the Lord and your being in God's house and hearing the Lord speak to you through his word is the priority for you? I suggest to you that that unless that kind of allegiance is given to Christ, your spiritual existence is going to stumble and just stagger along until he is first. Where are you today? As I approach at least the first day of the week here in my ministry, getting ready to celebrate Palm Sunday, 
Uh, I, I love the Lord, and I want Him to be first in my life, and I hope that's your desire too. God bless you. Walk with Christ. Love Him with all your heart. And I know you'll be richly blessed.